say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is Tom. Tom visits lots of islands. But now that the Libertarian Party's paid referral program is ending, he might only be able to visit a few. For just a dollar a day, you can help Tom visit lots of islands. Learn more at lpmesiscaucus.org and on this episode of the Fakertarians podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of the Fakertarians podcast. I'm your host, John Hudak, along with Jeremy Kantorowicz, Jordan Logue, Archie Flower, Kevin Shaw, one of my sock accounts, and our tech guy. Today we have on a former Libertarian Party vice presidential candidate, Bill Weld. Uh, Spike yes. Cohen. Yes. <laughs> Spike, how are you doing today? I, I mean, I'm no Bill Weld, but I'm doing as good as I can. How are y'all doing? <laughs> Pretty well. So uh, before we get started, I want to start with something serious. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the Mighty Ducks 2? The Mighty Ducks 2. Um, I think like everyone, I was shocked and appalled to see. I've never seen the Mighty Ducks 2. Um, I, I did see the Mighty Ducks um and i was mostly confused why um michael sheen's son's name was emilio estevez and then i over time i found out the real story which was kind of shocking but um yeah i mean listen i i i i don't i don't know this controversy well enough to speak from authority um i know that someone complained about the mighty ducks too being um a white genocide or something like that. And I haven't seen it. I'd like to think that the folks at Disney weren't promoting the death of, of an entire race of people. Um, but I haven't seen it. So it, it, I, 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 I'll, I kind of, I don't know if I want it. So this is one of those things where it's like, you know, when someone tells you like, Oh, this, this thing was terrible. You should watch it. And I'm like, but should I, if it's really that bad, like, should I reward them with that kind of, you know, shock, you know, that they, they, they've done this shock, uh, um, to get that attention. Should I reward it or should I deplatform it by refusing to acknowledge it? Um, so I might like watch it on like a torrent site or something like that. Um, so that they don't make any money from it, but that I do get spyware on my computer. That's fair enough. <laughs> so before we move on to anything else, we got a million things we're going to cover today. I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on how you think, since this is the first time we've talked to you since the election, on how you think the campaign went, how the election went, all of that. It went amazing, man. We got 1%. No, listen, here, here's, here's the thing. There, I want to focus on, just briefly, the positives that happened from the campaign. The, num- the membership uh, of the party grew by something like 50% in the la- from in the last year. 
Um, and we obviously, Joe and I can't take all the credit for that, but we certainly can take some of the credit for that because we were literally going around the entire country at every single event, encouraging people to sign up. There were sign up sheets there. You know, I, I have to think that we had at least some small role in that. Uh, and also in the fact that the number of, so we now have the highest number of paid members, I believe, in our party's history. Uh, we also have the highest number of registered libertarians uh, across the country in our party's history. So, um, yeah, that's the story I heard. It's terrible. Um, but the, you know, so these were all good things. We got uh, third place in all 50 states plus D.C. the first time in party history. Uh, the gap between us and all the other third parties widened uh, or continued to widen from previous years, showing that we have really solidified ourselves as the third party. And the reality is that even if, you know, whatever mistakes we made, which we certainly made mistakes, uh, you know, uh, even if the perfect candidates had been there doing the perfect things, the odds are that we wouldn't still wouldn't have done as well as in 2016 because it was a presidential reelection year. And because of all the conditions with the lockdowns and COVID and the fact that the media was just bound and determined to uh, portray this as Biden versus Trump and no one else was really run- was really uh, was, uh, you know, even in the running. That's ex- unacceptable that in almost the we're coming up on our 50th anniversary this year, that we are still in a situation where we are entirely reliant on factors that have almost nothing to do with us or our party or our campaign or our messaging or any faux pas we made or any perfect things that we did or anything else, not to determine whether we win or not, not to determine whether or not we get on the debate stage, but whether we get 1% or 3% or 2% or a half a percent or 4% or whatever. We need to get out of the era of rounding errors. Uh, We need to get out of the era of losing admirably. And I I, I say this, I went around the entire country, 35 states, uh, something like 75 campaign stops, tens of thousands of people, seeing thousands of volunteers doing incredibly hard work on the ground, getting things done, making things happen. This is not their fault. This is we need to create a strategy of looking at how we win the races that we do win, at the, especially at the local and regional level, and replicating those successes at the local and regional level and figure out how we can scale it up just enough to start winning at the statewide level and then eventually be able to scale that up enough to start winning at the federal level. This is not magic. An election is a certain number of factors that allow you to end up winning or losing. And we do win races. So my, my reality is that my, 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 my opinion on this is, is that the reality is that we have to we have to focus on where we win and just continue to focus on that and replicate it and scale it as needed. Stop worrying about Republicans and Democrats. Start worrying about stop worrying about major media. Worry about growing our party. Worrying worry about winning hearts and minds. Worry worry about growing at the grassroots local level, which is more cost efficient and more long lasting. And then when we reach a point where they can't ignore us, they can't not pay attention to us because we have too sizable of, of, a, of a percentage of the electorate and a percentage of the people that are out there giving their opinion on social media and in the public that they simply can't uh, uh, ignore us. You know, instead of looking for this Hail Mary pass that gets us on the debate stage, let's do the hard work on the ground, create winnable, attainable goals, and then win and attain those goals and then create new, bigger, winnable and attainable goals so that we can actually win future elections. So that's why coming into this year and moving forward from now, I'm going to be all 
over the country. I'm going to be at candidate workshops. I'm going to be at conventions. I'm going to be at events both in person and online to identify people that can run in these races, to identify people that can help them, to give them the tools that they need to be able to uh, effectively replicate what others have done, and just in general work to build a culture of winning in this party. We can win. We do win, and we can win more. I'm sold. Hey, Spike. I would wish to How much is it going to cost me to get you to come to the Vermont convention? You so when it when's the Vermont convention? We haven't set a date. I'm probably shooting for late April. We we might be able to make that work. You, we I, can I, adjust it. <laughs> so I will get what I will do is after this, I will give you my uh, uh, I have someone who does all my media and event scheduling because my calendar has gone insane and I'll get you in touch with him and he'll be able to, to work with you to make it work. I'd love to come to Vermont. You know, my mom's from Vermont. You know that, right? I do now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to come up there. And Vermont's one of the states that because of just how the campaign worked out, I wasn't able to visit. And I was literally in New yeah. Hampshire. Yeah, I and I was like, and I, I know, and I know I was, I was, hor- I was devastated, but it just wasn't because of like the, the physical limitations of the tour. I wasn't able to do it. I wasn't even able to go and visit my family. So yes, I would love to go up there. I will get you Brian's info after this and, and, and hopefully we can make that work. Awesome. I find it interesting. You know, uh, you, you began your statement in, in kind of a silly way. You're like, oh, 1% success. But I, I find that incredibly successful. People dismiss that and they look, they, they find it so easy to just shake off the LP. Oh, 1%. Who can, 1% of the voting public in a country with 330 million people is not an insignificant number. That's a significant, that, that is statistically important. And, and yeah, I think we've been building on success, man. I, I wish we didn't have to fight so hard just to be heard. Because, you know, if, if you'd have been on stage with some of the other people during this election, I, f- I feel like those debates would have Oh, of course. Away. If we had been if, – if I had been standing between Mike Pence and Kamala Harris and they're playing their good cop, bad cop routine and I'm standing in the middle saying, are we – we can talk about solutions now that I'm talking? Okay, here. Here's how they created this problem and here's how we'll fix it. Yeah, we would have done way better. Would we have won – institutionally with the with the the what's set up probably not would we have come in second maybe would we have gotten double digits almost assuredly but the reality is in order to even get on the debate stage we have to register 15 percent in the polls now putting aside the fact that they weren't including us in polls even if they had we probably wouldn't have registered that we have to have more people who know who we are what we believe and that they agree with us and that means grassroots growth i'm not going to shirk off 1% as being nothing what i'm saying is that i believe that we 50 years into this we need to you know cuz if we continue down the path that we're going and I do not blame the activists. And for that matter, I don't really blame anyone. I think that some of this is coping mechanisms after decades of losing and watching everything that, you know, I, I, my favorite Gadsden flag is the one of the snake being stepped on saying, I specifically requested the opposite of this. That is us. We're like, we want to end the fed and end the fed and end the wars and end the war on drugs and set people free from cages and end separations of families and end putting children in camps and all this stuff. And instead, the exact opposite is constantly happening. It's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And so as a coping mechanism, we often go, well, this next time, maybe we can get on the debate stage. This next time, maybe, you know, all lightning can strike multiple times in the same spot and we can win and do it. No, 
That's not how it works. We have to win more city council races. We have to win more state legislative races. We have to win congressional races by taking how we win those races and scaling it up to be able to win a congressional district. We then can, once we actually have candidates in place that are doing this thing, and, and this is something that can happen inside of, 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 of a presidential term or two. I'm not talking about 15, 20 years from now. We can do the things today and moving forward this year to scale up and win congressional races in 2022, which puts us in place to actually be viable and paid attention to in 2024. It just takes doing the work by looking at where we are winning and focusing heavily on that. It is good to learn from our mistakes, but we cannot dwell on it. And what we also need to stop doing is blaming ourselves and each other. That is a, that is a, a, a really unhealthy coping mechanism, and it doesn't help. How did we win? How did Kara Schultz win her her race, her her reelection? How did Marshall Burt win his race? How did uh, Trisha Butler win her race? How did Ka- uh, Kalish Morrow win her race? These were tough races. How did they win them? Well, Kara's wasn't tough this time because she was running for re-election and she's a known commodity. But when she got in there, when she was battling cancer and knocking from door to door, it was absolutely difficult. And she won it. How did she do that? And how has she continued to be able to build on that? This is how we win. Okay, Jordan, I know you wanted to get to some questions. I think you're muted, Jordan. You're muted. So I was going to go ahead and uh, we're now under the Biden administration. I was going to ask, you made a couple comments publicly about his uh, executive orders, which there have been plenty of. Um, Can you give us your thoughts on some of the like the negative aspects of his executive orders that you feel like have largely been overlooked? I know that a lot of them were focusing heavily on like, well, he's just undoing what Trump did, but Mm -hmm. there's probably somewhere in there like – He's not just undoing what Trump did. He's administrating a whole new series of activity. Yeah. So, I mean, the good news is that on Mar in March, I think March 4th, uh, he is going to be deposed and arrested and Donald Trump will be reinaugurated as president. Um, and that's, you know, I think we're all we just all are, you know, sometimes you just got to hold out. Um, no, listen, the 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 reality is that. Joe Biden is who Joe Biden is. And for all of the people who said, well, he's not Trump. Yes, he is not Trump. He is only the architect of every bad policy that we hate that came out of D.C. for the last, what, 50 years, that 40 something years that he's been in D.C. This is the man who uh, 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 championed the 1994 uh, crime bill. This is the man who championed the Patriot Act, the 1995 and 1996 uh, anti-terrorism bills. The uh, uh, he was one of the people that championed the uh, the what is it nineteen to one sentencing discrepancy for uh, crack cocaine versus powder, which heavily discriminates against marginalized communities. And he went as a Democrat and sold it to those communities as being a solution to their problems. This is a man who worked with segregationists to unroll civil rights protections. This is a man who uh, uh, he was the architect of civil asset forfeiture, which the average civil asset, you know, we were told that this was for drug kingpins. The average take uh, the average amount seized in civil asset forfeiture is like $619. They're just ruining everyday people's lives, uh, usually typically for things like licensing violations. This is all from Joe Biden. 
And the thought that he was going to somehow be rewarded with the White House and not immediately go to work being the same Joe Biden that he's always been, especially when by his side is one of the most brutal prosecutors in recent memory, Kamala Harris, especially when they have the cover of a largely compliant center left leaning corporate media who has a vested interest in returning to the days of nice tyranny of you know gentle spoken tyranny and oppression especially over the most marginalized among us to think that he was going to somehow not be who he has always been i don't know where anyone got this impression and so this is what he is doing you know if you look at for example this uh ending private prisons that he did he didn't end private prisons. First of all, most private prisons are in at the state level. And so this had nothing to do with that. They're, they're actually, I, I think, something like only 10 percent of uh, federal imprisonment uh, is through private prisons. The majority of the private prisons that the federal government uses is through ICE for the camps that are on the border. This order did not affect that at all, even though that's where the worst abuses are. OK, the uh, the, um, uh, the 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 the. Lost my train of thought. Oh, this it. Yeah. So the federal government, he ordered he ordered them to not renew their contracts with the private prisons. Now, putting aside the fact that there were all sorts of weasel words that would allow them to continue to renew those uh, private prison contracts if they had to, even if they all went away, you're talking about less than I think five percent of the total uh, uh, prison contracts that are happening at the federal level and and even less that's happening once you include the states where the vast majority of it is also he's not letting anyone go he's just putting them in government-run prisons there's no real change here no one's being set free from cages he's just doing the thing that the media will get to say yay private prisons are over joe biden so much better than trump people are still in cages children are still being separated from their families and we saw a perfect example of this there is a a caravan or, or surge or whatever you want to call it of families that are coming to the border now and the way that this is being presented is uh the biden administration is preparing uh, facilities to uh, process uh, these uh, minors and their families. In other words, they're going to separate the families and put children in cages because there has literally been no change to the Trump administration's policies on that. But the wording will change. The media will tell us how great it is. And the uh, the media on the right side will continue to call Joe Biden open borders, manby pamby, who wants to keep let the Mexicans come in and steal all of our jobs. And the left wing media will say, oh, no, he's a champion for civil rights and a champion for the rights of migrants. He's a friend of the migrant when the reality is neither of those are true. We are back to the Obama years. We are back to the deporter in chief, Barack Obama. And I have a strong feeling that Joe Biden is going to blow through those numbers. And if you look at every single thing that Joe Biden is doing at the executive level, he is doing window dressing stuff that gives media the cheap headline that they want to say that the regime of the Trump administration is finally over when the reality is he's just putting a nice face on it. So uh, we're coming up on the one year anniversary, actually, of when I did the interview on your show. Uh, yes. When we were talking about the or the original uh, two week lockdowns for COVID. Um, we're, coming up on the, we're coming up on the one year of this. Now, we do finally have the vaccines out. What do you think of the vaccine rollouts? 
I think that uh, if you look at where they're most successful, it's where they just say, hey, you want this vaccine? Come and get it. They, they might have some prioritization for healthcare workers initially, uh, but then they after that, they go, the, the goal is you have a vaccine that does not outside of cold storage does not last very long. It's also something that this is not a one shot thing. This isn't like when you get a kid and you get your, when you're a kid and you get your, your, uh, I don't think they give smallpox vaccines, but you get your, your different vaccines and then you're, you're good to go. This is something that if you want to stay vaccinated, it's going to be every, what, every few months, right? Every like four months or something like that. So this is an ongoing thing. It is not a one shot type of thing. It's actually even the initial, you have to take a shot. Then a few weeks later, you have to take the second dose. And then a few months later, you have to come back and do it all over again. Put needles in people's arms. If they want it, give it to them. Instead of trying to, you know, impose it on, you know, just say, okay, well, this one's just for healthcare workers and just for elderly people and just for law enforcement agents. No one else. No, you're not allowed to use it. And then you've got half of the people in those in those different populations saying, I don't want it. No, thanks. I'm good. And so then you have vaccines that are getting thrown out while other people aren't being allowed to have the vaccines taken. Uh, the country that so far has had the best uh, rated vaccine rollout has been Israel. Now, Israel has a smaller population. Uh, and they're also one of the countries that has some of the highest levels of the production of the vaccine. But the reality is that, you know, the biggest way that we can deal with this is put uh, shots in the arms of people that want it. This is not a one time thing. These things do not are not shelf stable. You just have to be able to get as many vaccines into arms as humanly possible. And that doesn't require a mandate. In fact, even if they did a mandate, they'd only be able to vaccinate a a few percentage of the the people that are out there anyway. It just requires allowing people to get the vaccine that they want. I can tell you, I personally am not going to get the vaccine, at least not for now. And here's why. I have an autoimmune disease. My immune system acts weird about things like milk and bread. So what I'm not going to do is take something that we have zero safety data specific to people with autoimmune diseases, something that technically is still in safety and effect, uh, efficacy trials uh, until, uh, I think, what, March or April of 2023. Uh, I think it's good because I believe in right to try. I think it's good that it's out there and anyone who wants to take it can take it. I personally uh, will not be taking it after spending last year traveling around the country in a way that I never have before during a pandemic and being able to stay safe using the health and safety precautions that I learned after I was diagnosed with MS to make sure I don't get sick because getting sick is a bad thing if you have an autoimmune disease. Uh, I believe that I will continue to be able to stay safe using basic, safe and healthy precautions that I've been using. Uh, and so I think that my doses can be for someone else who who does want to take them and is prepared for that. I would just comment that the vaccines that are out on the market right now, because there's so many different versions of the vaccine out there because they were made by different companies. Some, yeah. uh, I don't remember which one. There is one that is actually one dose. There's a few that are two doses separated by uh, four weeks. Uh, okay. There is currently no long-term, like, there's no booster that would be needed for this right. yet. Because yeah. uh, after the two doses in the first month, we've seen immunity last up to a year so far, but the vaccine has only existed even in the prototype for about a year. The So we don't know. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. So it depends on how fast the COVID virus itself is going to mutate as to whether or not we, because like, we need flu shots every year because of how fast the flu will mutate into new strains we don't know that covid will do that yet but it shouldn't uh, um we haven't seen it yet if it's going to do that we've seen strains be more virulent recently but they're still targeted by the same vaccine so there wouldn't need to be another one for that uh have you had any thought on the uh 
the governor of Florida who had the data scientist who was um, actually charged and arrested for releasing uh, COVID data that was, uh, are you familiar with that story? I only know pretty much what you just said, that someone released data okay. on COVID. I'm not sure if it was favorable or unfavorable to whose position. I just know it was released, and then government authorities came in and seized her computers, and then she was charged. That's pretty much all I know. And I don't need to know much more to change my position, which is simply that uh, I think that information should not be secret. Uh, and and I, I don't believe in state secrets. I don't think that we are made more safe by not knowing what our government is doing, um, which is why I'm a supporter of people like Edward Snowden and Julian Assange and reality winner and, and every other whistleblower and journalist out there. Um, so, it, you know, to whatever extent this this uh, this this scientist was putting out, you know, uh, uh, correct and, and true data that was being hidden, uh, whether legally or illegally, uh, I support her and I'm against anyone that was trying to stop her. Okay, have you seen the clinic in North Georgia that was um, raided by the police for uh, vaccinated teachers? Because I'm not, but I have because it was deemed what? It was deemed that uh, teachers were not high enough on the priority list to warrant getting COVID vaccines in the state of Georgia. So a clinic that was uh, vaccinating teachers was raided by police because they were giving out vaccines to an unauthorized group of people. Who are teachers? Yeah. Uh, teachers like there's such a high priority prioritization to get kids back into schools and but but don't vaccinate the teachers. Oh yeah, uh it, the I believe it was was it Cobb County, uh, one of the Atlanta uh metro counties had uh three teachers die of COVID in this last a couple months and there's still this huge push to get you know the schools reopened and back in person as quickly as possible but there seems to be a counter push to preventing teachers in certain places from being vaccinated um yeah are you are you telling me that government policy is often con- contradictory to itself and and uh, <laughs> leads to the inverse of what was a, a, a supposedly intended yeah, no, I, I haven't heard of that story, but it doesn't surprise me. I wish I could say that surprises me, but I mean, we're talking about there were state governments that were shoving COVID patients into nursing homes when the nursing homes were saying, please, we don't, you know, we 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 don't have the protocols in place to protect the most vulnerable people in this country, nursing home residents who are usually typically in the into their 70s, 80s, 90s and above and also have a host of comorbidities. These are the people who have, you know, double digit likelihood of, uh, of, of, of dying from a lot of things, including COVID. Uh, please don't do this. And they go, well, you know, this is our policy. And, uh, you know, so no, I, I, that does not, it's, it's neither surprising nor the least uh, intentionally or unintentionally malicious thing that a state government has done during all this nonsense. What do you think of the people who are trying to give the, Trump administration and the United States government uh, credit for how fast the vaccines were developed and are getting released to the market um, because of Operation Warp Speed. My understanding is that the ones that came out first were ones that stayed out of Operation Warp Speed because the regulations uh, were too 
in, in, in imposing uh, for them to be able to do it effectively in that. I, I don't know if all of them are that way. I'm sure that there were some that were. Uh, but my understanding was at least some of the initial ones that first came out uh, actually did not use Operation Warp Speed. And those were the ones that, that came out first. Uh, two of the original three, um, I believe it was Pfizer. Pfizer did not accept Operation Warp Speed money, because, and they specifically stated so uh, because they did not want any of the associated checks that would have come, or checks, not like a getting written a check. Like They didn't want any of the, the interference from the Trump administration in the development of the vaccine. Now, I believe that Moderna and was it AstraZeneca, whatever the third one was, of the big three that first came in the first came out in the first wave, um, all all the three of us, Pfizer did not take um, the warp speed money. However, they did allow the government to advance purchase a specific number of doses. The other two did right. take warp speed money. Yeah, I mean, so that proves that you know warp government the best way government can get something to happen is to largely get out of the way and let people do it and remove as many of the roadblocks as possible to allow them to be able to do it in the first place um so i, I you know I, I of all the things that government spends money on is you know advanced buying some vaccines uh the most egregious thing i can think of um see i wasn't the only well, the apple pie moonshine i thought apple cider vinegar um the um you know, is that the worst thing they're doing? No, but I also worry about if you have the government that is advanced purchasing all of these, uh, all of these, um, these vaccine doses. What happens if and when they completely bungle the rollout of them instead of allowing those? Because we are in a, a scarce market. There, this is at least for now somewhat of a zero sum thing where there's only so many they can make. So if a bunch of them are being pre bought by government and then they completely bungle the rollout, then that could actually end up doing far more harm than good than simply uh, you know allowing individual states and organizations to make the mass purchases uh, to be able to get it out faster and more efficiently. But yeah, I mean, you know, the fact that one of those three was able to get their vaccine out in, in either sooner or roughly the same time without getting into Operation Warp Speed. Um, uh, these programs are. The majority of it is front facing political stuff. You have to make it look like you're doing something. Uh, you know, we talk about security theater. This is safety theater. That's a lot of water, John. It is. <laughs> bring this back up are you you're gonna chug that bad boy during the show yeah absolutely the whole thing Spike, Probably I told not the whole thing. i'm gonna have to I get tell to you in the pre-show that like we joke about That's... this john will just sit there and drink whatever liquid is in front of him and i've got a monster yeah. in the other hand yeah like i this Being wasn't a young, joke man. he'll sit it there must and just nice. balm himself with caffeine and then chug water, and then take five bathroom breaks in the ten minutes before the show starts. He's not wrong. Your pan- your pancreas and kidneys must be incredible. Um, so speaking of <laughs> kidneys and, and pancreas, yeah, no, I listen. I, I I think that you know this stuff is theater, right? It's it's it. You have to largely make it look like you're doing something so that you can get reelected so that you can say, Hey, listen, when that terrible thing happened, I did this, 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 and this, well, how'd it work? Uh, well, I did them. Uh, and I spent this much money and this many metrics that I can put on this whiteboard behind me, uh, or this PowerPoint presentation or this, you know, 30 second ad, uh, happened. Well, did it work? Well, I did it. 
And 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 that's the problem is that, you know, government, which is why we often hear when we say bad things that government does and people go, well, what's your solution? Well, my solution is that government is proven itself a uniquely terrible way to do things um, and that those things would be far better done by people who have to actually provide value uh, in exchange for what they receive instead of being funded on a model of extorting everyone. Fair enough. So you ready to get into some juicy stuff? Yes, let's get juicy. <laughs> All right. So this you is like literally my entire field, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> it's too sciencey for me. Yeah, are you saying that vaccine science isn't sexy, John? <laughs> <laughs> so this is like a ridiculously vague and broad question, but I'm just going to start up the conversation with it. Okay. Would you say that there's a problem with racism and bigotry in general in the LP? I think that there's a problem with racism and bigotry everywhere. Um, So I, of course, that would also, there would be some of that in the LP as well. Um, I think that the best way to battle bad ideas is with good ideas. Shadow doesn't work well in the light. And, uh, you know, uh, the best disinfectant is sunlight and all, all the other cliches and tropes I can throw out there. But they're, they're cliches and tropes because they're true. You, you, you battle a bad idea by combating it with a better idea, uh, with, with the truth. Um, because the alternative is if you turn something into a forbidden knowledge, then people often get drawn to it going, well, maybe the reason that it's being hidden is because it's, you know, it, it's, uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, uh, it feels bad. I'm not going to lie, Caitlin. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I wish I could, I'm sorry. I try. It's all good. Um, it's all good. the, you know, the, uh, I, you know, I try, but to, when you make something into a forbidden thing, you can't think that why, because it's bad, but why is it bad? It's bad. And we don't talk about it. It's bad. Inevitably, people are going to be drawn to this thing because, well, why aren't we talking about it? Maybe it's being hidden because it's the real forbidden truth that we're not allowed to know. Well, no, it's because it's garbage and we don't want to talk about it. But you have to, okay? The Daryl Davises of the world have to exist. And for those who don't know who Daryl Davis is, this is a black man that goes to Klan meetings to have conversations with them and ask them why they don't like him. And a lot of people would say, you're platforming racists, you're giving them legitimacy. No, he's not. He's talking them off the ledge. Most people that are racists, most people that are bigots, most people that are authoritarians, most people that you know vote for terrible people, they do so in the absence of a better idea or plan being presented to them. Most people are not hardcore ideologues. They're going to what was presented to them and they go, eh, I guess that must make the most sense. So you talk them off the ledge. Imagine if I see someone that's off, that's you know, on a ledge, and I go, "Hey, jump! You're a piece of garbage." How did I help anything? And it's actually worse because in that case, he's only hurting himself. What if there's a crowd of people he's about to jump on and kill some of them too? And I go, "Yeah, you're a piece of crap that you didn't even think about doing this to so jump." Or I tell them the reasons why you shouldn't jump. That's what I think is the best way to deal with racism, bigotry, and, and all bad ideas. And most bad ideas are rooted in a malignant form of collectivism. The idea that we are dehumanizing individual people and grouping them together for ill. 
right? So we combat that with why that's bad from a libertarian perspective, which is uniquely positioned to battle those bad ideas, because we believe that each individual person is imbued with their own autonomy or self-ownership, if you will, their own ability to be able to make choices for themselves. They are a unique individual person and should be respected as such. That destroys all of these terrible ideas. And the more we push people away for having ideas we don't like, the more you end up not being able to get someone like me. Because when I came to the liberty movement, I still believed that we needed to keep out certain people, okay? And I was vague about why, but I believed that we needed to do that. And if for no other reason than they were breaking the law and they were coming here and they were taking our jobs. I was that guy. I was the bordertarian, okay? I was someone who still thought that we had to deal with the Islam problem, this Islamo-fascism that's spreading around the world and we have to combat it, okay? But on everything else, I was libertarian. Now, could I have been pushed away and told... Uh, that's pretty Nazi adjacent. Get out. Yeah, sure. I could have. Or what happened could have happened, which is that people said, Hey, look, you know how you think about this thing? This is why you disagree with yourself on this thing based on what you believe on this thing. Here's why you're not being consistent on this. Here's why you're wrong on this, but you can't have that conversation if you aren't engaging that person in the first place. I am grateful that someone didn't just call me a Nazi and tell me to get out. And instead that there were people who were willing to take the time to engage with me and encourage me after giving me some basic stuff to then learn more and determine now so that I'm now at my, you know, super Saiyan libertarianism or whatever you want to call it. You know, that is how you do this, which is why I'm not as scared of entryism from the left or right as others are, because that's just people coming in that have still have some bad ideas. Good. I want them here where they can get disabused of those bad ideas. I don't want them out there continuing to have those bad ideas and spreading those bad ideas and hurting people with those bad ideas and voting for people to implement those bad ideas. I want them here where they can be disabused of it. The more you bring people into your orbit, the more you can affect them with your gravity. And that's what I think we should be focusing on. So I agree with the idea of talking with people and trying to change minds and all that. I Mm -hmm. think my issue is where, like, let's... If we want to get to specific examples, uh, Hotep Jesus, like the idea of bringing him in and making him a recruiter, like it's not for me, it's not the idea of just talking with them. Like that's totally fine. But telling people like, like minimizing their bad views or being like, oh, actually these views are okay. Like that's a far cry from, uh, from just talking with them and trying to change their minds. So I don't know specifically the thing I've, I've been shown some tweets, uh, some screenshots of tweets that I wasn't, I, I, I didn't like what was on those. Um, I have learned that, um, I I have learned that things can be taken out of context, although the context didn't look, uh, like it was going to help very much in those particular ones. I don't know if he still thinks that because I also, some of them didn't even have dates on them, but let's go to the, let's go to the, to the, let's, let's, instead of, arguing over that let's let's assume the worst okay because there are some i mean there are some troubling things with a lot of people who claim uh who call themselves hoteps there's a lot of uh racial supremacy there is a lot of anti-semitism there is a lot of being against interracial relationships um there is a lot of historical revisionism so there are some some troubling things among some of them i'm not saying every single hotep is like this and so i'm not going to claim this about hotep jesus but let's say he is let's say he is what the the worst things that people are saying about him. The fact that he is willing to have a conversation with people whose belief system is against that, 
the fact that he's willing to have that conversation, I think indicates that he's at least willing to talk. And again, I haven't talked to him. I don't, I haven't spoken to him. I, I, I know not much more than a handful of screenshots about him. So I'm not going to speak from authority on this, but just let's, you know, even if it's not Hotep Jesus, let's, let's this, uh, you know, this hypothetical person that if there's someone who is looking at our belief system and even with existing bad ideas, like ones that I had says, I think I like this. This sounds good. I want to know more. That's good. Now your question is, okay, but what about recruiting? And my answer to my my follow-up question to that is, what is the alternative? Do we tell someone we don't want you to bring other people in for us to talk to until we've gotten you to a certain point? And if so, what's the enforcement mechanism for that? And I'm not I'm not doing this as a rhetorical or as a to be antagonistic. I'm genuinely curious, like what is the alternative? Since we cannot ban him from welcoming people or or encouraging people to come to the LP, what should we be doing? Uh, it, 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 what would be your preferred method of dealing with this type of situation? I would say we shouldn't be promoting him as a leader or a recruiter until those types of types of bad views are gone. And I would also say that we shouldn't be making excuses for the bad views. You're not doing that. Like, trust me, I'm not talking about you. But I do see people trying to downplay some of the views being like, oh, it's not that bad. And not just on Hotep Jesus, but on all sorts of views. I think we should be very clear about what our views are, talk to people about things, but don't make them into some kind of thought leader or give them a paid recruiting link until we can be sure like they're really fully on board. Well, we don't, we don't have paid recruiting links anymore, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I will say this. Um, I, I, I'm not sure that I've seen, uh, and, and I, I'm not omnipresent, so I'm sure I might be missing things, but by and large, and I'm in the Mises caucus group, like I'm a member of the Mises caucus. I have not seen him presented as a thought leader. I have seen him presented as a very interesting uh, potential to bring in an entire demographic of people that we often have not been able to reach and that that's worth exploring. Uh, And I've seen people excited about this. I will say, and this is nothing specific to uh, the Mises caucus or any other caucus or even the party or even politics. In general, when we get excited about bringing people into our thing, there is often a kind of um, a kind of bias towards saying, well, maybe it's not as bad as we think it is because we agree on these things. And, the, and, and just the fact that we're excited to be bringing more people in often leads us to not necessarily to, to not necessarily be as good of, you know, identifying those bad ideas and, and, and engaging with the people on it. Um, and, and, that, and that is an issue. And that is something that not just in Mises caucus, but in general with the LP, it's good that we're bringing in people from the left, but we need to disabuse them of the tanky stuff. Okay. Because Absolutely. you can't round up and, and, and kill people for owning property, for example. And there are people within the LP who have been for many years who unironically share memes, making fun of the idea of murdering people for selling stuff. Okay, so that's also a problem. And we need not just go, oh, well, but, you know, that's their. No, that's wrong. That's bad. Just like we're talking about with this. We need to look at it's great that we're bringing in uh, uh, disaffected constitutionalists. Okay, there's a whole wing of the party doing that. That's great that we're doing that. But when they come in and start going, yeah, yeah, but, you know, if you think about it, really, we shouldn't be letting people do these types of drugs. And, you know, really, should we be letting people do sex? Like. We need to disabuse them of that. We can't say, oh, well, but you know, from their perspective, it's no, 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 it's wrong. Now, we don't say get the hell out, you're a piece of crap, but we say, here's why 
and always focus on where you agree. We agree on this, right? So if we agree on this, then logically we would agree on this. And when they say no, you ask why and have the conversation. And I will say that if you have someone who is in the party, who is even so excited about coming into the party that they're welcoming other people into the party, then this is someone who is willing to have that conversation. And if they're not willing to have that conversation, and if they are constantly being engaged in good faith on that conversation and don't like it, then they're either going to change their views over time, or they will eventually decide that maybe this isn't for them. Either one of those is a good outcome because the worst case scenario is they left, but still had all those seeds planted and they may come back later. And the best case scenario is they stay, the seeds plant, germinate and grow. And now they're, they're, they're even more libertarian and even less, you know, have even fewer bad ideas than they did coming in. I am a strong believer that we have the best ideas. We simply need to present them and we do so in good faith. And it's not going to stop all entryism from, from left, right, bottom, top, whatever. It's not going to stop all of it, but the vast majority of this stuff can be handled by arguing and, and, and we are, we are right. We have the best ideas. So why would we not engage with people who are going to intuitively most of the time understand, and it may not be immediate, but over time realize that we're right. Why would we not do that? May I I say, Uh, may I say with all respect and love to you, you know, you're a friend. I, I don't think anything ill of you, but I, I would say there's a bit of a false equivalence there. Um, Left and right both have their own problems. They both have their own baggage. Nobody comes to the party perfect. You didn't. I Mm -hmm. didn't. Um, But racism isn't a partisan thing. To to explicitly court racists and to try to make the LP a safe place for racists while utilizing language that suggests you're here to take over the party. To explicitly court donations from people by telling them, hey, you don't like how the party works now. Well, join us and we'll make it work for you. I think there's danger there. And I think that we all who agree that this isn't a matter of left, right, or we, we have to. Yeah, no, this isn't a left, right thing. We have to be mindful of the fact that this does pose an existential threat to everything we believe. If they're going to recruit people who, who actively work against our values. Okay, so I, 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 I do see a separation there between the takeover and the, the courting people. And, and here, here's where that separation is. When they're talking about takeover, and again, I'm in these groups. Okay, I'm seeing everything that's being said. And I'm also seeing that the the caucus has gotten better with when people go in there with, you know, saying racist and anti-Semitic stuff, they're booted. Okay, so Mm -hmm. but the takeover is the the takeover rhetoric. and, And I'm not a fan of the takeover rhetoric. And I've said that before. I don't use it. I'm not takeover. I'm let's come in and let's work together. That's that's how I present it. But the takeover rhetoric comes from frustration at ideas like we should be welcoming Dick Cheney. We should be uh, applauding Liz Cheney. We should be welcoming in, uh, you know, we should be welcoming in some of the worst abusers and warmongers because they have, because they also don't like, you know, Trump or they also don't like social conservatism or whatever. But so then a perfect example of, you know, washing away terrible ideas. You're right that racism and bigotry have no left and right. Neither does imperialism. And so I, I, I will say some of that is legitimately born out of a frustration with this, with a, another type of entryism, which is, you know, establishment beltway imperialist infiltrationism. So that is Absolutely. what that is born out of. OK, now, with that said, 
Not a fan of the takeover rhetoric, never have been, and, 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 and I never will be. Uh, it is also something that when you have a much younger group of people, and, and Mises Caucus has been very successful in bringing in young people, you get this more oppositional type of stuff. Because I remember what it was like being in my 20s, okay? I wasn't going to fix things. I was going to take it over. I was going to you know kick out anyone who had a problem with it. Like that's I, I, I remember what it's like to rage through life. That's, that's part of being young. Um, and, 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 and seeing every opportunity as a, as a opportunity for victory, as opposed to collaboration and, co- and cooperation and so forth. So I, I get that, but I, I will say that, you know, this, this, yes, racism, when I was saying problems on the left, I was just giving another example of, of problems that, that we shouldn't be turning a blind eye to, but no, ra- this is not a, a, a left rightist issue. When someone comes in with racist or bigoted ideas, I would rather them be working their way towards us where we can disabuse them of that than working over there where there are more of them and they can get together and they can impose bad laws that hurt people uh, in marginalized communities or hurt people that are going to be affected by those bad ideas. I would much rather do that. I believe us to be a powerful bomb, B-A-L-M, not, not splody bomb, against these types of things. Our ideas, when presented in good faith and in and and in 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 a in a principled and bold way that engages with the people we are talking to, is the is how we fix these things. And I, I and and I'll say right there, Karen mentions the lib socks. Who is the one? Who is the ANCAP that says we should be welcoming lib socks? We should be welcoming people from the left. Who is probably among some of the top people that has been trying to bring people in from the left? So. I am I'm consistent in this that I believe that people whatever to whatever extent they haven't adopted our ideas but to whatever extent they have adopted our ideas that is how much closer they already are and to whatever extent they haven't that is that much more of an opportunity for us to present it to them. I go on conservative talk radio. I go on progressive talk radio and I end each one of those by saying if you like what you heard go to lp.org/join because I want them here. If they heard from that little 30 minute, half hour, uh, you know, hour long, 10 minute, whatever the, the, how long the hit was, and they liked what they heard. I want them to come here. I want them to get involved. I want them to be affected by our culture and I want them to become more libertarian as a result of it. Okay. Um, Spike, I just want to interject really quick. This is John Sock, by the way. Um, I agree with you 100% on establishment entryism and, um, entryism by tankies and things like that. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that absolutely needs to be stopped as well. And I see your point with, um, you know, we have to we have to appeal to everybody for a small little party. Obviously, we need to pull people from the left and the right. I think our main issue here with the with the uh, Mises caucus is not that they're pulling people from the right necessarily. It's that they're not disabusing them of their bad ideas. They're kind of appealing to those bad ideas and they're letting it slide and they're not letting it. They're, they're, they're not disabusing of that. And they're saying, oh, it's a cultural preference or it's no big deal. And they're just letting it slide and let, affirming that to them that that's part of libertarianism. There are some that are saying that. There are some that are not. It is a mixed bag. I continue to encourage people in Mises and outside of Mises that as bringing people in, as we bring people in, we have to engage them on these bad ideas. There is not a single group within this this party that I don't talk to and have good relationships with, with, with and within. And the reason for that is because I want to show that there is a way for us to demonstrate that on if you take some of the most extreme people that are examples of what you're talking about in Mises 
and you take some of the most extreme people that are advantage examples of what we're talking about in uh in let's say the audacious caucus or 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 you know in, just on the left or 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 among constitutionalists or whatever we still agree like eight they still those two groups of people that are diametrically opposed within the party still agree like 80 to 85% of the time now i'm not downplaying that 15 to 20% cuz it's some big stuff but the bottom line is they still agree the vast majority of the time and we are such a small group of people the 90 plus percent of americans out there we disagree the vast majority of the time mostly because they just haven't heard our ideas but in 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 the we we Gatekeeping is a great policy if you're leading in the polls by four per four or five percent. Gatekeeping does not work, and 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 trying to push people out uh, or or tell people get out makes no sense. When even within our own ranks, we have disagreements on things. Now, should we be engaging it? Absolutely, I agree one hundred percent. We should be engaging on it, and I will continue to do that and continue to encouraging others to do that. Okay. So I, 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 I don't, no one is a hundred percent innocent or guilty in all of these things, but the reality yeah, is, yeah, I, I see your point. Yeah. I, so we, we I, need, I think, we, I think like follow on education is 100% needed in every single caucus. That seems to be a failing in the libertarian party in general is follow on education for libertarian principles. Here is a perfect example of this that just played out like what last night. Okay. There was this challenge between John and, and Jack Lloyd, okay? And and Jack, I, I believe this, Jack approached John and said, you know, put up this thing that says, I love private property. And John's like, okay, here, put up this thing that says abolish ICE. I'm in the Mises Caucus group. And overwhelmingly, everyone was like, yeah, let's do that. Let's definitely do that. I added, and every other agency in the DHS or whatever, whatever the thing was, I actually made that meme on my phone and said, here, let's show that not only so that so that no one thinks it's like, oh, well, abolish ICE, but still keep border patrol or still keep whatever, right? So I, so I, I, I kept it, I, I, I added that to it to make sure that we were making it clear that the government should have no involvement in this whatsoever, right? So we put it up. Now, what happened? There were people in the Fakertarians page who were commenting going, oh, what's this private property? What are you talking about? And there were people on the Mises page saying, what, open borders? What are you talking about? Now, there were people that agreed too. There were people that agreed on both sides or people that just com- were like- commenters, not the actual pages themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking the commenters. In other words, the people that are in the orbits- the respective orbits of Fakertarians and of Mises Caucus had people that when presented with something that was very strictly libertarian went, mm, I don't know if I like that. Good. I want people that look at libertarian ideas and go, wait a second, I don't know what I think about that. And what was cool was in Mises Caucus, they were saying, hey, listen, there's a whole variety of agreements or, and disagreements on this issue, but here's our position on it, that the best way to deal with this is to completely abolish government ownership of property and return it back to the people so that they can make their decisions and no one feels like they're being restricted or having something imposed upon them. Now, that conversation could not happen if bordertarians had not been welcomed to enough extent where they were willing to it still continue to engage in a conversation with someone who basically just put up open the borders or privatize the borders or get the government out of the question of immigration okay this happened because they had already built up enough good faith to then be able to follow through on that that was a perfect i hope y'all do more challenges like that because this is a perfect example of how you can put up stuff and bring people in and and then put up things that challenge their 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 pre-existing beliefs 
and then be able to show them based on what you agree on why this would also be the logical conclusion of that. But you can't do that if you say everyone who is against uh, 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 you know, everyone who is in favor of immigration controls is doing so from a racist perspective or a problematic perspective, and they shouldn't be welcome in our spaces. They need to stay with the other 95% of people that are largely okay with that. I think you can say they will continue to vote for those things. I think you can say that people are welcome, but I think they should still have some kind of immigration plank in their platform rather than saying it's a wedge issue. We don't take a position on that because I've seen that. I've seen that from Heist. I've seen that. I think there was something about that in the replies on the page. I could be wrong on that post, but I've definitely seen that repeated a lot. There there were comments from the Mises caucus page about that on the post last night. Yeah, yeah. And and I so I don't I'm not intimately uh familiar with the Mises caucus, the actual written platform. Uh but it would be easy to add something in there saying that the answer to the immigration situation is to abolish private pro- or public property. That 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 deals with it at its core or abol- or abolish government owned property that government owned property is theft and that it's best given back to the people where they can decide who they want to allow or not allow as individuals. Right? You not I can say I don't want X people or, or more than a certain number of people or whatever on my property, but I can't tell you on your property who you can host or hire or house. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if that's not on there, then they can add that and it's perfectly in keeping with, with what their belief is. But I do know that's their belief. And whenever they're presented or asked about it, again, I'm in this group. There are tons of people that come in and go, they're me, they're me. They're 20, what, uh, 2014, 2015 me, 2013 me coming and going, guys, I agree with you on everything. I'm about ready to abolish the government, but how are we going to deal with these people coming here, breaking our laws and, uh, you know, victimizing our people and driving down uh, wages and stealing our jobs? And it took people disabusing me of that and explaining why that's not how it is for me to go, no. Okay, well, what a relief. I don't have to, to, to think that anymore because I always was kind of troubled by, with believing that in the first place. So, But if instead someone had said to me, I don't know, man, sounds kind of racist. Maybe you should get out of here. I'd go, okay. And now I'd like to think and hope that I would continue to uh, to, to explore and, um, and, and look more into you know the a question behind that. I'd like to think I personally would, but I'm also really intellectually curious. Like I'm that, that nerdy guy that looks into stuff and challenges things. Most people aren't really like that. They're largely going by what people in their preferred media and social circles are saying. So why wouldn't we bring them into our social circles and expose them to our preferred media and, and challenge those ideas? So, and I think we're largely agreeing on this. I think, I don't think that there's any real disagreement here. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we're all agreeing Yes, we should welcome people in. We should be working to disabuse them of bad ideas as we welcome them in. Yeah, I think we should be working to disabuse them of bad ideas. I guess the disagreement we've had is whether the Mises Caucus is actually working to disabuse them of bad ideas. I uh, I wanted to talk about a specific example just real quick. Do you know who Jared okay. Howe is? Just, I don't know if you do. I know that, yeah, I know he was, uh, he used to be on... Or is Lib- still on Liberty Hangout. And he used he's, to be. He's, yeah, he's now basically like an unironic fascist, right? Yeah, and he uh, co he co hosted uh, Chris Cantwell's podcast with him while he was in jail. Oh, I so, see. I didn't know that. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah and he he hates me, but <laughs> that's another story. So, if someone we can put this as a hypothetical, um, if someone says they're a fan of 
Jared Howe and his podcast, and they watch it all the time, and they get why Howe wants to deport Somalis, and they think that Stefan Molyneux is right on immigration and police shootings. I get talking, like, okay, talk to them. But hypothetically, should someone like that be made an Ohio state organizer for a caucus? Um, I would not vote for that, no. And I don't, again, I... I, I, absent I any a hypothetical, just so a, 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 absent any additional context to that, just yeah. that without any context. No, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't vote for that, and I wouldn't, I would engage that person on those ideas. That was me. That was I was that guy. Like I, I don't know if this is a real person or hypothetical. That was it's me. Real. Okay, okay, then it's real. I was real. It was real. If right. if if this person's not real, I was real. That was me. Now, it wasn't specifically Stefan Molyneux or Chris Cantwell or anything like that, but I came in saying, yeah, no, we shouldn't be bringing in, you know, uh, 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 you know, low-skilled migrants from these communities. They're just coming down and driving down wages, and they don't share our culture and blah, 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 And it took people disabusing me of that. So we should be engaging people with that, and we should be – and I think the best way to engage someone with that is to meet them where they are, and clearly if someone – and again, I, I'm not – I don't know who this person is that you're referring to. And so I don't feel comfortable making judgments absent any additional yeah, context without fully really knowing the situation. Okay. So, that, but that's what I'm saying. Cause it's, but it's not a hypothetical. This is a real person that yeah. really has been. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying this because I'm not, I'm not going to besmirch someone that I don't know the full story. Okay. What I would say is that to whatever extent this person has ideas that don't line up with our core beliefs of libertarianism, I think that I we are in a better position to talk with them about, about those ideas when we are in an otherwise agreeable situation on what we agree on. And then we can have a conversation about if we agree on this, then here's why that would naturally conclude to agree on this as well. Then for me to stand on the outside and go, that guy's a schmuck. We should do everything we can to make him feel unwelcome here. Because especially because knowing that most people, especially liberty, libertarian minded people, their their response to being told you need to get out is make me get out. And in fact, I'm going to bring in more people. That's not how you deal with people. It certainly hasn't how you deal with libertarians. You deal with libertarians by saying, hey, man, we agree on this stuff. Why wouldn't we agree on this? And leaving them with good, you know, and I, I use a term from sales and marketing, you know, a, a warm and fuzzy. I would much rather have a conversation with someone like that, with someone with bad ideas in general, inside the party, outside the party, not talking about politics, whatever. I would much rather someone leave with a situation where I've planted some seeds and we had an otherwise agreeable discussion, even if we agreed to disagree on that thing. Because now they walk away, those seeds are planted, the, you know, knowing human psychology, they're not sitting there thinking of it as this oppositional thing. They're thinking it as we had some ideas that they may or may not, that they, they may have disagreed with, but they can build upon that. I refuse to believe that there are people who are irredeemable or unreachable. If I did, I probably wouldn't be a libertarian because the entire belief system of libertarianism is based on the idea that people are imbued with their own autonomy and self-ownership. And if I believe that there were entire groups and, and classes of people, or even just lots of individual people that are so irredeemable that we can't even have a discussion with them, then I certainly wouldn't want to trust them with freedom over their own lives. Do you think it's possible that there could be a problem with entryism if their beliefs aren't challenged enough? Like, let's say a bunch of these people were brought in and were basically told like, oh, it's okay to have these ideas or like the idea, or let's say like, hypothetically, racists were brought in. It's not like it's actual racists. Like, let's say objective racists were brought in and they were told like, oh, actually your position's fine. Like whatever, it's a cultural preference. 
do you think there could be a problem with with entryism there? If someone is brought in with racism or any other terrible idea like that and is not challenged remotely, then yes. I will say that's not what I've seen in Mises. Have there been individuals that haven't been challenged as much as they should be? I'm certain there have been. In fact, and again, that's true. That's that's true in general. That is the bias that comes with being excited about welcoming lots of people in. I know that the culture of Mises is not racist. And I know I'm going to get a ton of flack about that, but it's not. I'm in there, okay? There are people that are... That there are people expressing their concerns about Hotep Jesus in there. Like, this is not the boogeyman that just like I tell people there that the, you know, Audacious Caucus and Libsox aren't the aren't the boogeyman that has been created for them. I will say the same thing when it comes to Mises. They are not the boogeyman. Now, are, 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 I, I, I will incur- continue to encourage for everywhere in this party to be actively engaging with people to talk them off the ledge of bad ideas. That's how we get where we want to get. So I, 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 I'm, I'm not, you know, yes, hypothetically, if a bunch of uh, people with racist ideas were brought in and told this is perfectly fine, uh, then that would be a bad thing. That is largely not what I'm seeing. It's not to say that's never happened or that it's not happening on individual levels where people aren't being, uh, uh, being challenged enough, but it isn't a policy. And there are many people, a good number of people, I would say the majority of people in Mises who are actively saying, no, that's not what we believe. When that thing came up, with the abolish ice thing, there wasn't a single comment in the negative. Every single person was saying, yeah, put that up, put that up. Why would they think that we don't support abolishing ice? That's not even our, our, our position. We don't support ice. We don't support any government involvement in immigration. There were people who say the whole, you know, uh, uh, the whole thing of, well, we'd have to abolish the welfare state before we abolish immigration, before we abolish immigration restrictions who were saying, yeah, go ahead and put it up because we do want to get rid of ice. And I, I one upped it saying, let's make sure that there's no, no room for anyone to go, oh, well, yeah, but you just want border patrol to handle. No, we want to get rid of the whole thing. Right. And, and so I, it's not the boogeyman that people are presenting it. And here's my other challenge to you. If you otherwise agree with Mises on things, and I'm not saying you as an individual, I'm just saying anyone who's watching this, if you otherwise agree with the the goals of Mises, you look at their platform, you look at what you believe, but you think that they may be doing things wrong, then join them and say that. <laughs> I mean, I was there for a while. I, I didn't, I, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't oh, no, I said, I said I did. I know, but, but here's, so, so what happened that made you leave? It was the, well, so first I, I was a mod for maybe a little over a year. Um, I didn't like the way things were going I didn't like the like running Maj and getting behind him being a big thing. I didn't like all his anti-immigration comments and him being like a face of the caucus. I didn't like that. I thought Dave Smith was bringing in a lot of, I don't know, shitty people and that not enough was being done to kind of get those views out of the way. So I stepped down as a mod. Um, I decided to stick around for a little bit. And then I had a feeling I'd be leaving at some point because I didn't like the way the caucus was going. But I had an argument with Michael Heiss um, about a guy named Jesse Miller because I was talking about the idea that there were alt writers in the caucus and that not enough was being done about them. And Michael was like, okay, can you name one? And I said, okay, Jesse Miller. This is the guy going around saying Europe is for Europeans. He's going around saying that he wants to ban all immigration to the U S 
He's going around saying that libertarians need to do more about race as it relates to IQ. Uh, what were the other ones? Social cohesion, social cohesion and criminality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that guy. And then Heist basically dealt, Heist defended him in the group. And I'm like, okay, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, he doubled down on defending him. I made a post about it after I left. He doubled down on defending him there. I think the South Carolina LP made a post about it, tripled down on defending him there. Two days later, I dig up, and it just seemed obvious to me what this guy was going around doing because he kind of talked in code, but like it's very thinly veiled. Um, right. Two days later, I, I dig up some uh, screenshots of him basically ranting about Jews in, uh, in Dave Smith's private group. And they finally kick him at that point. But to me, it's just seemed like it's an optics thing. I feel like they wait until like the last second and it has to be like the most obvious thing ever. Like there was that guy recently, I think he was a vice chair of somewhere in California. He shared a video like hashtag fight for Trump. And it had all this stuff about like reject your replacement and we are the true minority. And then there were there were times through the video where like subliminal swastikas would pop up. Uh, we made a post about that from Fakertarians, and Dude. we basically we heard crickets. Um, and I knew they I know they know about it because it was it was pretty like widespread. Um, about a month later, we I think Kevin actually dug up some posts of this guy. Uh, he was ranting about like I don't know Kevin what was it that like the Jews are evil or something like that. Every single post this guy made was about how the Jew spiracy had everybody fooled and how, you know, oh, you're all just there. You're doing what the Jews tell you. And it, it was getting increasingly more unbalanced. And we kept reporting this. We kept we kept pointing it out. We pointed it out. They're doing stuff about it here in California as well. Hopefully he'll, he'll be removed from his local affiliate. But yeah, these are problems that are raised all the time and we point these out and 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 not it's not that they're dragging their feet or that they're trying to be fair-minded because i understand having internal processes but they fucking try to sweep it under the rug they try not they want these people they want these people they want their money they want the numbers they're saying it's okay for these ideas to exist in our ranks so long as it gives us the power to do what we want That's and, uh, the I, I just want to note too that after i left um when i was criticizing for the miller thing i did I was saying that I didn't think enough was being done about the problem, like through my time as a mod, through my time in the caucus. I was in the caucus like almost day one. I think it was early 2017 because I was helping a lot with uh, Josh Smith's campaign. Um, and I said like, okay, if you guys are willing to actually like take this seriously, I'll I'll be happy to come back on as a mod and help out with it. And I mean, I know, I think Josh was open to it at the time. We've since kind of lost touch a bit, but it didn't seem like they actually took the issue seriously. I'll, here's what I can tell you: my personal experience, and I'm not I'm not invalidating yours. Yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully, this is an, this is indicative of it, of the situation getting better. Whenever I have pointed out someone that was doing anything similar, and I've never I haven't seen anything specific like juicepiracy and anything that crazy like that. Uh, it has mostly been like more kind of subtle stuff, like oh well, uh, there was one thing I'm trying to remember what it was, but something about a mosh. And they were like, and, and the person was like, well, I, you know, I think, well, that would make sense. Amash is a Jew or something like that. And I pointed it out and that person was kicked. So I, and it, and it wasn't a, 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 
feet dragging type of situation. It was a matter of probably uh, a few hours. And it was really, I think, just the first time someone was able to see it and and, and do something about it. Um, and I think I'm also not someone that if someone is in there saying, but shouldn't we have, you know, a homeland, but is asking questions, it's like, no, engage that person. Now, if someone goes in and they're like, no, this is what we need to do. Uh, you know, we need to have a homeland for the whites or something like that. I think there is a point where you can say, hey, buddy, that's not what we think. That's not what we believe. It's certainly not what the the goal of libertarianism is. Um, and, you know, that's that's we don't think that. So if you think that, then, you know, you're probably going to have to you're, you're not going to feel very welcome here. Um, but like I said, I, I, I would I would I think that the best way to do it is to continue to, to try to increase engagement with them on that. I want to see more of these challenges, guys. I want to see you and Jack coming up with more things that you post cross post on each other's stuff I'd be happy to, to show. Yeah, I, I, I want to see more of that. I think it's good. I think it's 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 a good challenge and it will build some level of camaraderie that can exist or if not camaraderie, at least just a basic understanding and a reminder that we agree on so much. We agree on like almost everything. And then you compare that to, you know, a an establishment beltway Republicrat politician who you know, routinely signs off on imperialism and mass murder and and racist drug and gun policies and racist uh, uh, foreign policy and, and, you know, racist immigration policy, or at least destructive immigration policy that's targeting, obviously, sp- people of a specific race, whether it's intended to be racist or not. It certainly is leading to bad outcomes for people from Latin America. And they sign off on it routinely. And, 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 and that's, it, it's the equivalent of it, if we were all being held hostage and uh, we're sitting here arguing over, um, you know, how, how, how strongly we should condemn one of our fellow hostages for saying that they believe that sex and gender are the same thing and that there is no such thing as transgenderism. And then our hostage taker comes in and goes, uh, trans rights are human rights. And then like decapitates a trans person in front of us and walks away. And, and we go, well, he was going to do that anyway, but at least he said trans rights are human rights. Like we are arguing with each other over stuff that, First of all, we don't even have we're not even in a position of power to be able to do anything about it. And while there are people that are literally running roughshod over all of us, but especially the most marginalized among us and putting a happy face on it. And we go, well, at least there's a happy face on it. No, this at, at some point we have to recognize that we agree on so much. Yes, we should be working together to uh, to either change and engage, or not make or, or or make feel unwelcome people that have really terrible ideas. That if they were in power, would be even worse than what we're going through now. But we we but I, I don't I don't believe that these things are mutually exclusive. I think that we can continue to hopefully grow. The, the bonds between the varying caucuses and factions within this party while continuing to engage. Not only do I think they're not mutually exclusive, I think they're synergistic. I think the more that there's, you know, otherwise we're working together on things, the more we are in a position to say, hey, let's 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 deal with these folks that have these especially bad ideas. Because so, someone saying, well, what about UBI is different than someone saying, but what about the Jewish question? Right. Yes. So we, yeah. we, we need to, we need to, and, and both of those things to varying degrees need to be talked about and dealt with. But, so, you know, I, I, I do, I do think that we, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like we have to choose between the two. Spike, I, 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 I'm unable to post these pictures in the comments, which is a bummer, but I've PM them to you so you can look at them yourself. Now, 
Michael Heiss, when presented with the behaviors of this individual who's saying these horribly anti-Semitic things as a representative of the caucus and my state party, responded that the problem was not his behavior. It was that we, by posting these screenshots of the things he said, bullied him so bad that he must have became an anti-Semite as a result. He claimed it was our fault, Spike. So I'm not... You're a lovable person and you're a good politician and your your instinct to build unity is 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 kind and I love you for it but please pay attention. This is real and it's happening right in front of us. It's not something I, I, that's just in the abstract. It's not some hypothetical. These are people that they want to recruit and that they want to keep and if we don't call them out for it nothing gets done. Okay. And and I agree. I I I do feel like at this point we're agreeing and we're and I I agree that if there is anyone that is doing that is in you know engaging in you know trying to turn the libertarian party into a safe haven for edgy racists that we should be that we should be dealing with that. And I I am doing that and I continue to do that. Um, I, I, I can't, I'm not going to comment on something that I haven't seen. I'm not calling you a liar or anything like that, but I, I'm not going to comment on something I haven't seen. I, I'd be happy I to look at it. You know. I sent yeah, you yeah, no, that's fine. There, that's, you're in your PMs. That's fine. That's fine. So I wanted to say something about, since we had an awkward silence for a second, I wanted to say something about the swap thing. Um, I'd like to propose another one to any LPMC people listening. Um, the, the picture swap, the post thing. Oh, the picture swap. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if they can propose something for us to post, if if they'll post uh, part of Plank 3.5 of the Libertarian Party platform, which I think the exact language is we condemn bigotry as irrational and repugnant, we'll, we'll post something too. Reach out to Jack. Listen, I mean, we're all members of the Libertarian Party. Like I, 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 I am good with us challenging each other to present our libertarian ideas to our respective audiences that obviously have a good amount. You know, I, I I've, I, I have a, 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 a presence on social media. That's, that's, that's inexplicably very strong uh, right now. Um, and uh, I shouldn't say inexplicably cause I have incredible people on my social media team, but I yeah, guess I'm shocked do. that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I it's <laughs> inexplicable. So inexplicable is the wrong word. It's, it's odd to me that our growth, our reach is exponentially higher now than it was during the height of election season. And maybe I shouldn't be surprised by that, but it, it's, it's surprising to me. I was hoping we could retain, you know, the, the reach that we had, not that it would grow by an order, by a mag, by an entire order of magnitude. But with that said, I am largely engaging with people who are increasing. I watch it happening. You know, you're not supposed to read the comments, but I do occasionally read the comments and, and the, and the, and the, uh, whatever a comment is called on Twitter, uh, a tweet, tweet, whatever, subtweet. I don't know. A tweet to my tweet. I don't know. Comments. I, I, and I read these things and I'm watching the audience become increasingly large and increasingly libertarian because, you know, they're, they might've come in agreeing with me on gun control or on police brutality or on immigration or on taxes. And the longer they stick around, the better that, that, that they, that they do as a result of that. And, you know, I don't do a tremendous amount of, of policing our, our, the social media, I and the social media team don't do a tremendous amount of policing of comments. We pretty much just keep it. If people are being, you know, wildly bigoted or are, you know, dehumanizing other people or threatening violence and that, that, that kind of super egregious stuff. But we let some edgy stuff stay on there. We let some pro Biden stuff stay on there. We let some pro Trump stuff stay on there because we want them to come and get ratioed by other libertarians. 
Um, and, and, you know, and I encourage them to be kind in their ratio wing of, of, of the people there. I'm, I'm, I'm feel very boomerish using terms like ratio. Um, but the, you know, I, I, I do believe that the, most effective way is to engage. Now that means you have to engage. So to whatever extent that engagement's not happening and people are instead being made to feel welcome, that shouldn't happen. And, and, and that is not something that's exclusive to any one group or individual or caucus to whatever extent we are putting, bringing people in above engaging them instead of bringing them in with the purpose of engaging them um, so that they either become more libertarian, become less bigoted, or don't feel welcome because they realize that this is a place for, you know, full libertarianism and, and for a respect of the individuality of each individual person, then that that's what has to happen. And I, I, I will say, I think that we are largely ag- agreeing here. Yeah, I mean, if, if you were in charge of the Mises caucus, I wouldn't have an issue. Like, I'll just, I'll just well, say I mean, that I, 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 I didn't make, but okay. But let's, let's say something here though. I didn't make the caucus. I didn't grow the caucus into what it is. I didn't like, I didn't do like, there would be no reason for me. I have grown a thing that I am rightfully the person at the, I guess the helm of or whatever. And I've worked with other people and we're doing, we're building an incredible thing, but that's my thing. I'm not, I'm not the no, thing that has been built by, by, by Mises. I, I don't, you know, it's, I'm just I, saying, I, I know you would do it. Oh, go on. No, no, I'm just saying it's, 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 it, I'm a part of the thing, but I'm certainly a very junior, uh, junior partner, if you will, of, of, of what's being built there. And I, I will continue to be in there to, uh, to engage on what we agree on and, uh, and engage on what we don't agree on and, and, and bring people in. And if I see people that are, you know, going beyond the pale, I'll continue to point it out. And my experience, and again, I'm not invalidating your experience. My experience has largely been that when I bring, uh, folks that are doing this kind of stuff to light, it's taken care of in a, in a relatively swiftly manner. I can't fault you for not seeing all the things that we have, but like, I feel like I failed in here in trying to uh, to update you on some of the things that have happened within the LPMC. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I know what you're what you mean. I mean, I, I like we're, we're, we've been John and I have been here, been trying to like kind of bring up some of the things that have happened within the LPMC. Now, I don't, I don't fault you for not seeing all of those things, but I can understand your perspective from that point. But um, there's, I, I understand there's a lot that you have not seen. I'm certain there is. And I mean, I, I like I said, when I started off early on in this conversation, I'm not omnipresent and uh, I will, uh, you know, I will continue to, when I see things that, that need to be addressed, I will, talk about it and address it. And if it's something that I am not in a position to address and someone else is, I'll talk to them about it and, and, and hopefully they address it as well. And I, th- this is not, this is not me obfuscating. I can only respond to what, uh, to what I can see. And my, my main focus is on getting the message out to as wide an audience as possible and sharing a message of Liberty that engages with individual uh, everyday Americans as, as best I possibly can. I think there's a little bit of a disconnect here, right? So I like there's the the fact that like you're, you're getting the message out, like obviously like I'm a big part of that. Like I I completely agree that we should be trying to get our message out to literally everyone as much as we possibly can. I just, I think that there's this weird idea that gatekeeping and getting the message out is somehow mutually exclusive. Like we don't have to write, everyone off that has a bad idea right off the bat. Like we get the message out there. We, we try and partner with 
well, maybe not partner is the right word, but try Build and coalitions. Yeah. connect with people as much as possible and yeah. not write them off right off the bat because they have other views that are bad because those are good vehicles to get our message out there. Like we, we're in a position where our ideas are not mainstream. Like we are the niche yeah, of the niche when it comes to political ideology, right? We like working with people that maybe don't agree on a lot of things is not the same as saying, hey, you should be in the party and you should um, be a thought leader of the party and a representative of libertarianism. Like it's it's not the same. So I, I, I think a lot of people are kind of imposing their own preconceived notions on what you're saying that you know, working with someone is the same as accepting them as a full libertarian or whatever. That's that's not the case at all. Like we, no. we have to work with as many people as possible. And it's if they come in and they're like, OK, I'm really interested in libertarianism, but I have these other like really shitty views. It, it's not like the, the best way forward to just say like, OK, well, you know, you need to get out now. It's it's a process like. And if it comes down to the end where they're like, yeah, well, I still, you know, don't like the Jews. Like, yeah, okay, you need to, like, kick rocks. Right. It, it, it's a process, but there is, like, a, a point in that process where it's you know, kind of shit or get off the pot. And I think, I, I just, I think people are kind of misunderstanding where you're coming from a little bit. They may be. I, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not aware of all the comments that are happening right now. I, I can tell you that. I have been able to go into communities across the country with people that have never heard our ideas before and present them in a way that they came to, you know, they came, they showed up because I had a showed up in a bus with that said something about president on it and had a lady's face on it that they'd never seen before. They came curious and they left excited often signing up for the party. Um, and that's not because there's anything special or magical about me. It's because I'm applying the basic principles of how to make friends and influence people uh, in how to be able to reach people, empathize with them, uh, understand where they're coming from, reflect back that I understand where they're coming from, explain how we got to where we are, and then take them on the journey for how our ideas will fix the problems or at least greatly ameliorate the problems that they're facing. And I apply that to everything that I do. There are going to be some people that come in and go, yeah, okay, that's all great. Also still, I hate all Jews. Okay, well, great. That's we don't hate all Jews and that's never going to happen here. Um, and they will more than likely uh, feel very unwelcome here as a result of that. Um, you know, gatekeeping to me means what it says. What do you think? What are your first principles? Oh, you don't agree with us? Then get out. And and if the gate is the if the gate that's being kept is around the mantle of leadership then yeah, no, there should be quite a litmus test. I was a very strong believer that the people that we should be putting in in positions of power and influence within the actual party, like actual like officers of the party and the actual candidates of the party should very strongly reflect the entirety of our platform as much as humanly possible. I mean, no one's no one's 100 percent except for me. But, you know, uh, other you know, other people. Um, are going to, you know, most people, we, we want to make sure that the people that are coming in are, you know, that, that are that are becoming, you know, major top ticket candidates that are becoming, you know, officers in the party and things like that do 
uh, believe and reflect uh, the entirety or, or, you know, pretty close to the, the full entirety of what we believe as libertarians as stated in our platform. Uh, including the belief that racism is irrational and 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 repugnant. So if that's the gate that you're talking about, then sure, yeah, we should be keeping that gate. Uh, but there's no need to have this other gate around even people just coming into our orbit and hearing what we have to say. And and you know, I think like we could spend another hour and a half, you know, saying this. But I I, I think I think we're all on the same page here that we should be welcoming people in even if they have bad ideas to the extent that we can then engage with them and as they get closer in and more involved in what we're doing get greater and greater disabuse that requires both the welcoming and the engaging if those two things aren't there then it doesn't happen and to whatever extent i can help continue to encourage both the welcoming and the engaging i will continue to to do so while also going out and broadcasting the message as far and wide as i can i i want to reach I want every single person in this country to be touched between now and touch. That's a marketing term to, to have heard and, 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 and been exposed even briefly to our ideas by the time the 2022 elections come out. That's, that's my personal goal. Right. Right. And I think there's a difference between, you know, reaching out and touching people and then platforming them. Like that's, and that, that may just be a weird perception we have of like party membership. Right. So I, I think that, you know, being a party member is not the same as holding this person up as some kind of representative of libertarianism, right? I think that there should be a little bit of gatekeeping when it comes to letting someone be a voice of libertarianism and promoting their views from, you know, the party. Like, there there should be some prerequisites there. Like, we shouldn't be putting people with horrible views up as like, hey, this person is part of the libertarian party and they speak for us now and we're going to give them an affiliate link and all that. Like, I, I think that there is a line there. there. There shouldn't be the platforming of them, but we should be, you know, bringing them into the party and trying to change their views. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Okay. We have any other questions we want to get to? That was a long one. Hey, Spike. Um, I think you're actually making a really good point about engagement. And I absolutely want to engage everyone we can with our ideas. But there's ideas and then there's values. And I think that's being lost in this conversation is the difference there. And when you try to engage people with literally opposite values, with with a group that dehumanizes people based on the color of their skin, you can't really have quite the same rational engagement as what you're talking about. And the problem I see happening is that these people are being openly recruited and not engaged with any meaningful pushback and their values are being swept under the rug. And and they're absolutely not libertarian if they're going to dehumanize people. So again, I, I actually a, a value is a set of ideas that we in, imbue as you know who as what we what we believe is like a, a an outlook on on society. But it's still it's an idea. It's a bad idea, and we should be challenging it. Again, at the beginning, I talked about a man that he is black, and he goes and talks to Klan members and says, "Why don't you like me?" And very quickly, 
by and again, this requires engaging. And I, I think again, we're gonna we can do this for another hour and a half. Yes, we need to engage people that have bad ideas. If to whatever extent people are not being engaged, that is a failure. That is a failure on our part to not engage them. And we need to do that. And if in that engagement, we find that they just absolutely are dead set on dehumanizing people, then by our continued engagement of them and saying, yeah, no, you're definitely these ideas are not welcome here. We hope that you disabuse yourself of them, but this is not welcome here. They will either change or they will eventually mosey on. Um, but I, 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 I am a, in favor of engaging people even with bad ideas, even with bad values, because there are people that I mean, this man has literally a closet filled with clan robes that he keeps as trophies that have been given to him by people who swore an oath to protect the white race and white children or whatever it is that they do. And it took a series of conversations with a black man who saw them as a person instead of an abstraction and said, why do you hate me? You don't even know me. Why do you hate me? And that person had to actually say why they hated him. Now, that's not going to work with every single person. Some people are, you know, I mean, and, and I don't encourage people necessarily that, uh, in fact, I don't, I do not encourage anyone to go out to clan rallies and say, why do you hate me? That's very dangerous and probably uh, is, is going to lead to bad outcomes a lot of the time. This man has been very successful in doing it and has been able to reach people in doing so. My point is that if he can do that, then I can reach people that otherwise have libertarian ideas, but just have some really, really bad ones that lead to some really, really bad and and terrible beliefs, especially when it comes to the humanity of their fellow humans. And I engage them to whatever extent I can. And if it turns out that there's no engagement that can happen there, then you know they're going to naturally feel unwelcome as a as a as a result of the fact that everyone else uh, is going to give them a, a hard time and engage with them on on the thing. But I mean, that is a part of it that has to that has to happen. Sure, but Daryl Davis also had the explicit intent of changing their minds and yes. changing their hearts and engaging with them, and. We can't all be Daryl Davis with that level of skill, but that's certainly. No, no, admirable. No. But what's yeah. what's the the issue here is that there is no intent to engage like that. There is intent instead to cover over the dehumanization and to cover over the bad ideas and just grow for pure numbers sake. That's that's what I think the gist of the the problem is here. My experience in the caucus, and again, I'm not invalidating anyone else's experience, and I'm not claiming to be omnipresent. My experience in the caucus has been overwhelmingly that people want to uh, not have racism and not have bigotry and don't have these beliefs and and in, and say that they disagree with it if and when they see it. Okay, and when I have seen the the few times that I, which hasn't been a lot, but the few times that I have seen stuff and brought it to people's attention, it was dealt with in a way that was more than satisfying to me. And that's all I can do is continue to engage people and and point out things that I see happening. And I I can't I cannot make I cannot respond. I can only control what I do. I cannot control what other people do. My experience so far in the caucus <laughs> has been largely positive. And if mine is if mine is a uh, uh, is a unique experience, then I guess I need to ramp up my engagement even more so that we can have more unique experiences like that. I have to think that at least other people are having similar experiences. I hope that it's that this is improving. But like I said, I mean, we can we can do this another two hours. And, and 
I, I think we should be engaging. I think to whatever level there hasn't been engagement, that we can do better with that, that we should be engaging. And it's what I continue to do. And my experience has been that these things are um, that, you know, that 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 these things are being dealt with, maybe not as quickly as I would like every single time, but they are being dealt with. That is my experience within the caucus. Okay. I do I think like- that like Mises Caucus should be a little bit more um, open to criticism. I mean, I, like I, I get both sides of this, right? But like, it, it's been brought to them before. Like, hey, you have someone in your caucus who's been in your caucus for a long time, who's in you know leadership or whatever, and they're saying like horrific things, and then whoever brought that to caucus leadership was then blocked and ridiculed. So I think it's like they, we should be putting more. I mean, not maybe not more, but there should be pressure on those in leadership to deal with bad actors in the moment instead of just, you know, like ridiculing those who bring light to it. Because it's like, it's not just like new members that are coming in, like saying bad things. It's people who have been in that caucus for a long time, people who are representatives of that caucus. Um, like me personally, I brought um, the some some pretty bad shit that I had found to Heist personally because I was like look dude I know that you don't believe these things I do feel that this should probably be dealt with because this is like horrible horrible like Nazi stuff I brought to him and he was like oh yeah I know about that and then the guy stayed in the caucus and then they ridiculed um, several people for trying to bring that to their attention and it's like there there should be more um pressure on them to deal with that kind of stuff like they shouldn't be ridiculing those who are bringing that stuff to light but there is a difference between that and just calling out and saying we shouldn't um appeal to anyone who is not 100 percent libertarian right and and i i agree with that we should be dealing with any problem that exists it's what i have been doing it's what i will continue to do my primary focus is in bringing in millions of normies. That is my primary focus because another way to deal with bad beliefs is to dilute it with a bunch of people that come in excited about our, our good beliefs. Um, and that will always be my primary goal is outreach. It's what I'm best at. It's what I've done my entire life. I built a very successful series of companies based on the idea of reaching lots of people and in, 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 you know, showing them that, you know, my solutions were better than anyone else's solutions. And so that's going to be what my focus continues to be to whatever extent I can help to try to do, you know, housekeeping within uh, a caucus or within a, within a, uh, within a party or within, you know, just the movement in general, I'll continue to do so. And if there's bad stuff that's happening, then yeah, it should be engaged. And the, and the best way to engage that is to stay as engaged with those folks as, as humanly possible. And, you know, if, if, if that doesn't result in, in positive changes, then we say that. Um, so, you know, I, 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 that's, that's how I feel about that. I, I, I I'm, I'm not, I guess I'm not sure how many other ways I can say this. Right, right. I just I'm trying to like clarify that for um, those who yeah, don't. Yeah. No, I no, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I I and fully understand. Like, I like I don't know. Like, we we can't be dehumanizing people because all that does is turn them off to the good ideas. Then they just sit in you know the the spaces that they've been radicalized in, and they get further and further further radicalized. Like we have exactly. to stop dehumanizing the other side. It's. Yep. I don't, it's it's so frustrating to see like yes these people have horrible views but like just writing them off as unhuman or inhuman is not 
the way to deal with that. It just puts everyone further and further into their sides and nothing happens. And then you get a situation where you have people storming the Capitol to keep Cheeto Mussolini in power. And then you have, you know, the other side. It's it's ridiculous. We have people, I have heard people say, yeah, but communists aren't people. Yeah, they are. They're people with bad ideas. Or, uh, and usually when they're saying communists, they mean like Stalinist, like tanky types. Or they'll say, uh, they'll say, you know, alt-right aren't people. Yeah, they are. They're people with bad ideas. And often they they had some very traumatic situations that led them to those bad ideas in the first place. Not always. I mean, sometimes they comfortably found those ideas. But regardless, they work, they are, they have bad ideas. Bad ideas are best dealt with, with good ideas. Yep. Empathy and nuance is something that's severely lacking in our political climate and in the Libertarian yes. Party right now. I can agree with that 100%. Yes. Okay, do we have anything else we'd like to touch on? Anybody on the Brady Bunch screen right now? <laughs> I'm Alice. Um, it's it's my understanding that Mr. Cohen would like to touch everyone in the country. I knew that I knew as I was saying it, I'm like, this is the new scandal <laughs> is Spike Cohen wants to touch everyone, which is why I immediately said, and I, and I said, and as I'm saying, okay, that's a sales and marketing term to touch. I thought too late. You're already canceled. You're ruined now. No one will ever, everyone's like, oh, Joe Biden. He only wanted to sniff them. You want to actually touch all of them. <laughs> Okay, so I, I think we're good. Spike, do you want to announce any presidential runs or anything on our, oh, on our show? No, 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 I don't. <laughs> I don't. I really Figured don't. I I, I, here, here's my here's my standard answer, which is, you know, what I what it's actually what I believe. The benefit of my standard answer is I actually believe this. I do not care about 2024 right now if if our situation as a party is the same as it was in this election, because it largely will not matter. It will be great. We'll bring more people in. We'll grow, you know, a little bit and whatever. And we'll have some more people. Wonderful. I want a world set free in my lifetime. I have MS. I'm already 38. My focus right now is to make it so that we can win serious races in 2022. And by 2024, whoever we run, whoever we run for president has a shot in hell of getting on the debate stage. Imagine any of the people that we're talking about that have a serious chance of getting the presidential nomination. And you can even throw me in there, okay? Imagine them on the debate stage between Joe Biden and probably Donald Trump or like Ted Cruz or Josh Hawley or whatever. Can you imagine how many people – think of all the people that say that they were reached uh, – that they, they joined the Libertarian Party because of watching John, uh, Ron Paul during the 20, 2008 or 2012 Republican primary debates. Or all the people that have said that they uh, came in – I met a lot of people that said they came in because of Gary Johnson in the, I think, 2012 Republican – yeah, 2012 Republican primary debates before he went and, and ran with uh, uh, Judge Jim Cramer uh, – Judge Jim Cramer – Jim Gray uh, – <laughs> Jim Gray. I love Jim. Jim Gray is like a friend, so I feel terrible. Judge Jim Gray uh, in 2012. Imagine the, you know, think of all the people that have, I've heard people that have said, you know, that they, that they were exposed to our ideas uh, because of a guy named David French, uh, who ran in South Carolina, who ran for governor. Uh, I I think you're going to name David. No, uh, I don't, I I don't get the reference, but like all, all these people that, you know, have, uh, you know, they were brought in because in a debate, uh, they were they were exposed to some ideas that they went, wow, that's what I've been that's I've been trying to put words to what I think and it, and it finally happened. Imagine if it happened on the debate that gets named that gets you know that gets you know viewed by two hundred million people. 
Imagine what we could do. So that's my focus. I don't care about my own personal political ambitions. Let's be very clear about something. If I cared about my personal political ambitions, I wouldn't be in the Libertarian Party. Okay? I'd be... I'm in a very red uh, area of a very red county of a very red state. I'm in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If I cared primarily about my my own personal political ambitions first and then liberty after that, I'd run as a liberty Republican and I'd get in Congress and I'd say good stuff and I'd vote good most of the time. And then when push came to shove and I had to vote for bad stuff in order to stay in the good graces of the party, I would do it. That's not what I'm trying to do here. What I'm trying to do here is take what I believe to be the only viable vehicle to set people free from cages and chains and war and famine and every other terrible thing that's being done as a bad result of bad government policy, of the idea that people can impose themselves upon everyone else around us. That the only way that we are the only vehicle to be able to fight those bad ideas with good ideas, like we've been talking about for two hours now, uh, that th- to to fight against what we call the cult of the omnipotent state, the idea that government is an inherently good thing and that it just has to have the right people in charge. That is my focus. Grow this party, grow our outreach, grow our reach, grow the number of people that we, in sales and marketing terms, touch, and then be able to win elections as a result. Talk to candidates to get good candidates activated and be able to win their local and regional races, be able to scale that up so that they can win federal races, be able to scale that up so that eventually we can win the White House. That's all I care about. And if that if that lends itself in 2024 or some other later date for me to be the one who runs, great. If it doesn't and there's someone even better than me, great. I don't. That's not what I'm worried about. I'm, I'm worried about this party. This is not about an individual. This is not about a moment. It is about a movement. It is about the fact that 100 years from now, <laughs> that touch thing's going to follow me now. It's about the fact that 100 years from now, none of us are going to be here. All that will have mattered is the impact that we made on those around us and therefore the impact that they made and the impact that the people that they impacted made on others. All we can do is create ripples that will hopefully lead to wakes, that will hopefully lead to great outcomes for people long after we're no longer here. That's all I care about. All right. Does anyone else have anything else they want to say before we wrap up or are we good to go? I think we're good. I'm going to take a second to be sad about how many islands Mr. Woods won't be able to visit anymore. Oh, yeah. That made me cry a little. Moment of silence. Okay, so I don't, I don't get the, I don't get the islands reference, but (laughs) he visits many islands. Spike, he has many leather-bound books, and his apartment smells of rich mahogany. (laughs) I'm not going to put Spike into any uncomfortable. Wait, did he say his his house smells of rich mahogany? (laughs) (laughs) He didn't say that. I mean, that's no. kind of a goal, actually. Like, no, I, I, he, it's so close to what he said that it's really funny. That's the thing. I actually want my house to smell like rich mahogany now. <laughs> I was gonna, Spike, like, I was gonna ask you if you wanted to do like a closing statement, but I think like, I kind the, of did. I, yeah, I did. you kind of did. So, I, hey, listen, I guess we'll wrap guys. Up. If you'd like what you heard, go to lp.org/join. Join the party today. That's what I always say. Sounds good. Well, thanks everyone and then for joining go, us. Go like everyone, or everyone go like uh, Spike's uh, Facebook page and his Twitter. Oh, yeah. Follow Very him on good. Twitter Bye. and Instagram and YouTube and uh, MySpace. And and follow us on person. Follow us on most of there too. Yeah. The ones we have. This is why I have a social media manager, folks. Because I always <laughs> say so far.
<laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today, and thank you, Spike, for coming on. And thank we'll you. see you again in two weeks. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.